Welcome to the Christian Church of Essence Park. We're disciples of Jesus to build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. And I'm so thrilled to have you back with me today as we continue our series through the book of Proverbs this summer, Wisdom in the Secret Heart. And uh, it's wonderful to see so many of you starting to come back again, as I know that uh, those of you online, glad you're joining us there, but it's wonderful to see half of your faces uh, today as you're all in masks. Um, and, you know, if you're online, please drop us a line. Let me know I can pray for you on those connection cards as well. Some of my prayers for the folks, I want to make sure they don't get stale. So, uh, yeah, just let me know how we can do that. And that's one of the best things that we can do as we... Uh, serve you. And so today, as we're going to go into Wisdom in the Secret Heart, we're going to be uh, really talking about where wisdom begins. And, uh, you know, trails, if you've ever gone hiking, which you live in Estes, hopefully you have. If you haven't, you're kind of missing out. We have mountains. Uh, <laughs> something that everybody who's climbed a mountain most uh, before, is, uh, it matters where you start, doesn't it? Uh, if you want to climb Long's Peak, you don't want to be on the Twin Sisters trailhead, right? It matters where you begin, because where you begin oftentimes directs where you're going to end up. And so scripture and, and Proverbs really starts, the very beginning of that says, you know, this is uh, where the trail to wisdom begins. And we want to make sure we start at that point, so that way we can end up where God wants us to go. And uh, so as we talk about that, today's actual passage is going to be our memory verse for this entire series. It's kind of a key verse for the entire series, the entire book of Proverbs. And so Proverbs 1-7, hopefully you guys are starting to get this down a little bit, but if not, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get through it today. So here you go. Say it along with me. Three, two, one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1-7. Again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. One more time, we'll be preaching on it. Here we go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1, 7. There you go. I cut you off last time on that Proverbs 1, 7. All right. Now, hopefully you have this with you. It's starting to get into your heart. We do have it on our connection card, so you want to take that with you. If you're online and you don't have a connection card, right into us. We'll send you one of these memory verse cards. Uh, we'll mail it out to you so you can have that. And so since you have that, why don't you get your Bibles, and we're going to be in Proverbs 1, 7 today, so you can actually see in context what we'll be talking about and why we know wisdom starts there. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago when we began this series, we started with Proverbs starting in chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So the guy who wrote this it says, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, the discerning get guidance, for understanding Proverbs, the parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. All right, so where we began, and the verse right after that then says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The very first part tells us the sign. Where are we going to go? What does God have for us? Why Proverbs? Well, we saw that the purpose a couple weeks ago, we, we got on that. The Proverbs is there to give us dis, um, discretion. It's help us to live prudent lives. It's help us to grow and have better lives, all those kind of things. How do we get to that point? Well, you have to start here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So here we have these two different trailheads, and uh, they go to different places. And we're going to talk today 
about how we get to wisdom. And the first part, as you've memorized, it says we start with this, the fear of the Lord. That's where beginning of knowledge, that's where it all begins. And so unsurprisingly, in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is a very big theme. In fact, in Scripture, it's a big theme. It's, it's mentioned over 20 times in Scripture. And of course, half of those are in the book of Proverbs because it's so important. We have to begin in there. So let's look at what does the fear of the Lord mean? At first, we have to recognize what it doesn't mean. Oftentimes, when, when I was younger, I thought the fear of the Lord meant terror, right? Because as, as Americans, as in the English language, as we use fear oftentimes now, the first thing that comes to mind is like a horror movie or something like this. Like, we're terrified of this big, horrible God. That is not how it is used throughout Proverbs or the rest of Scripture. When the concept of fear of the Lord is, is used there, we never see it in terms of just being terrified. You see, God is not a bully. And we have to start with that, to recognize that, that he is big and he is powerful and there's a right kind of fear we have of him. But the fear of the Lord that we're talking about here is not just being like, oh no, I have to be good or God's going to destroy me. That's not what we're talking about. Instead, in context, and because I only have 20 minutes, <laughs> right, I'm going to kind of summarize what we find through the scripture of what the fear of the Lord means. And the first one is the fear of the Lord is that God exists. Right? The fear of the Lord begins when I recognize, I acknowledge that there is God. Right? I can't fear that which I deny. Right? So the fear of the Lord assumes that there is the Lord. And that's important because knowing that God exists really does change my perception of all things, doesn't it? Because God exists, I have a different understanding of identity. I have a different understanding of purpose and morals and meaning. The atheist or those who deny that God exists might say, well, I give myself identity. I am who I say I am or who I've created myself to be, right? That my purpose in life is kind of, there is no purpose to life. We're all just cosmic accidents, right? So there is no purpose. So my purpose is going to make myself as happy as I possibly can be. And morals, well, that's just, there's no such thing as morals or right or wrong truly, would the atheist say, because there's no real standard. Morals are what we say is, we think is best for all people. What my heart says is true is probably what is true. And meaning in life, there's no meaning unless I give it some temporary meaning, but then eventually I'll disappear. Without God, we have a different understanding. And understand that a lot of people in our culture, this is where they start. They don't fear God because they just don't think there is a God. But for the Christian and for those that recognize that God exists, it changes a lot identity. We are made in God's image. People are unique and holy, male and female, made in his image. We exist because God made us to exist, right? And therefore, we have purpose. We're not cosmic accidents. Before the beginning of time, Scripture tells us that God even knew your name, that he crafted you and has made you for amazing works that he prepared in advance for you to do. God is intimately aware of every detail of your life, knows every hair on your head, knows every second of your life and every breath that you breathe. He captures your tears in a bottle and he cares for you. There is purpose to life. And as far as morals, aren't you glad that we don't just do what's right in our own eyes? Isn't that what's tearing our nation apart right now? But we recognize that there is a God. 
And that goodness comes from Him. That God isn't good because we say He's good. Goodness exists because God exists. And whatever is true to His nature was what is truly good and right. And sometimes I heart will deceive me. Sometimes I genuinely believe something is moral when it is not moral. Sometimes I am wrong. In fact, oftentimes. And that God is the North Star. And morals come from Him. And that's why He wrote the Bible, because He uh, gave it to us. And He's given us the Holy Spirit, because none of us know this on our own. We've been poisoned by the fruit of Eden. Our hearts detached from that North Star. Our compass is askew morally. And as far as meaning goes, there is purpose to this life. There is meaning in every bit of suffering that we have. And I'm a child of God, that means that the only things I suffer are those things He allows, and the only thing He allows are the things that can build me up and build His kingdom, the things that He is actively redeeming in and through me. There is meaning in this life. It changes our whole perception of existence just to know God exists. And so the fear of the Lord begins with recognizing that there is a God. And the next thing that is just as important is not just that God exists, but the fear of the Lord means that I recognize that I'm not God. Right? That's a very important thing. I mean, many people accept the divine. Right? There's entire religions out there that say, yes, there's a divine, and you're part of it. That you are actually divine. They miss the whole point. But even those who don't go to such extremes, who think themselves gods, and then in their entire life prove themselves to be wrong, God allows us at this point, as we, we enter into this world, to recognize that there is a God, and, and it's amazing that He's holy, holy, holy. He's different, different, different. He's unique. He's not us, and I'm not Him. And so the first error that oftentimes that, that we make is, even if we don't think, you know, have the arrogance to say, no, I am a God, oftentimes we just make the mistake of sometimes thinking, well, that I'm in control. And so may not, we might not have the, the understanding to say, you know, I'm not, I, we know that we're not God, but then we act like it in our, our expectations of the world. The fear of the Lord recognizes that, that really, I'm not the one that's in control of all things. This world has not been placed under Aaron's sovereignty, nor has it been placed under yours, right? Which is, changes then how we, our expectation of the world. When we have this false understanding that I'm truly in control, then we're constantly upset because where, does ups, where do we get mad and sad about? Well, when our expectations are, are supersede our reality, right? That's disappointment. And how many people are constantly disappointed in life? I expected, I put all these things in, I did all of these things, and, and I should have this great life, but I'm not, <laughs> right? I got sick or something happened or I lost my job or a pandemic hit or something, and then we get so mad at the world and at God because it didn't, our experiences don't match our expectations. But if we fear the Lord and we know that we're not God, the beginning thing is saying, I'm not in charge. <laughs> that the world's not supposed to operate how I say it should operate. God didn't make me him. He made me me. And the second error is sometimes not just that I think that I'm in control. Sometimes we're a little more pious and, and we would say, no, I know that God's in control, but I expect God to do what I tell him. Right? That God is under my control. That I'm his child, and therefore, God wants me to have good things, and therefore, if I ask, he's going to give me those good things, right? Well, what if your good things really aren't the best things? 
I've got an amazing son. I love my son, right? And I want to give my son great things. But when he was a kid, kid was a sugar addict. And I know you're watching online, Thomas. You know it's true. He was. We had to, to not give him what he asked for. We had to limit him to three sugary things a day. Right? He had to have things where he'd be like, well, can I have that? Be like, well, I don't know. Is it good for you? And there are times you get very angry because that was the fourth sugary thing. Not good for you or us. Oftentimes when we ask God to do our bidding, we fail to recognize that really it goes the other way around. That God is not my servant. That when I ask, I ask with humility, but I know that I can trust that God is sovereign and he's all wise and he's all good. And it's okay that I'm not God. But the attitude that we need in order to, to keep ourselves from that false sense of, of personal deity, where we think that somehow we're God or that God's under our control, there's an attitude that is necessary. It's called humility. And Proverbs 22.4 actually says it pretty uh, straight up. It says, humility is the fear of the Lord. That's why we're not surprised by that. See, pride is when I put everything around me. Pride is when it's self-worship, when my life revolves around me and my ideas and my comfort and what I want. And humility is the, beginning, is the very first thing that says, you know what? I recognize it's not all about me. Right? I'm not the creator. I'm not all-knowing. I'm not all-powerful. I'm not all-present. And you guys are all happy about that, aren't you? You see, we worship God. Our lives, worship is whatever our lives revolve around, and we worship God, not the other way around. God's existence doesn't revolve around you, nor me. And that's okay. In fact, that's great. But he invites us into the solar system of his goodness, his life, that we can center our lives on him. And that we begin to say with humility, wait a second, I am not <laughs> the end all and be all. I can actually step off that throne in my heart and I can put God there who actually has the volume to fill it. Our God is amazing. You know, and depending on who's in control, there are benefits and consequences, right? When I'm in control of my life and I run things from my very limited perspective because I can only see what I can see, and that's okay, I was made finite for a reason, and God doesn't expect me different, but just my headlights only go this far. But God sees everything. And so when I can run my life according to his navigation, I run into a lot less problems. I have to take a lot of better paths. I get into a lot less accidents. And so God invites us to run our lives according to his wisdom and direction. Which says, not humility is not, oh, I'm a horrible person. It just says, I'm not God. The fear of the Lord recognizes that God exists and I'm not him. But the third thing that is also in there is not just that I recognize there's a God and that I'm not God, but the fear of the Lord also says that I'm going to honor God. That, that I allow God to be God. Right? I, I recognize he's holy. He's different. He is unique. He has the right to tell me how to work and how to live. And what he's going to ask is not bad. I let God actually be God. When I disagree with God, I recognize that I'm wrong. When God tells me to go somewhere, even if it's scary, I recognize that he knows what's best. I let him be God. 
I, I respect his power. You know, it's an amazing thing in times like this where we find even Americans being polarized and at each other's throat, but we're trying to enact a sense of our own justice or our own perception of what we think is socially just and right, and then in the name of doing what is right, we hurt each other and do all kinds of vile things to one another. Can we trust God's power? Can we let God be the judge? Do we really believe that Jesus is coming back? That all things will be brought into the light? (laughs) And that those who do wickedness and do deception, no matter how powerful they are on this earth, they are not powerful compared to him? That every bit of corruption will be rooted out and dealt with? That justice is ultimately coming? Can we believe that? The fear of the Lord says, yes, therefore, I don't take vengeance into my own hands. It's much better left in the hands of God. Can I trust God's power to carry me through tumultuous times? A God who has promised that if I seek him first, his righteousness above all else, that he will absolutely meet my needs. Where I'm going to live, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear that my God takes care of the practical matters, and I trust his power in this. Fear of the Lord begins when I recognize that God truly is God, and all the attributes of him, including his goodness and his promises, are real. And I honor that. And I say, if I'm going to follow God, I'm going to bless him be God. I'm going to say he has the power to do things, and he has the authority to do those things. That God gets to tell me what to do, not the other way around. That I don't expect God to obey me, but I know very much there's an expectation for my own good that I will obey Him. And His commands aren't burdensome. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes He tells me to forgive people I don't want to forgive. Or share with people I don't want to share with. Or things that I don't want to share. Right? Sometimes He asks me to show kindness to people who will never be kind back to me. But you know what? He's already shown me so much kindness, an infinite amount. Can I let that kindness and that joy and that hope that he pours into my life flood out? Yeah. So I submit to his authority. What also means, though, is I trust God's goodness and his wisdom. I trust him. I trust and honor God that he truly is good, that he has not just what's best for me, but what's best for all in mind. And so I'll follow him. So the fear of the Lord starts there, but there's another side, a different path that's also on here, and it's the path of the fool, which leads to destruction. Now, fool does not mean unintelligent, right? There are, in fact, the Word of God even talks about this. There are many smart fools, which we can all testify. You know what? Fool comes from the Latin fallus, which means puffed up, like somebody's got puffed up cheeks, like like a blowfish. That's where it comes from. I mean, somebody who's all puffed up, they think they know everything and they put it out there, but really they're just full of hot air. God wants us to have consistency. We're going to talk about the life of fool in a couple of weeks, but, but I say the wise fear the Lord, the fool does not. Right? That's where it begins. And so the, the fools, they deny God exists. Right? They might deny it intellectually. They say God doesn't exist, like many of on our academia and the mo- and our media and all that kind of stuff. Fools doesn't matter how smart they are, absolute fools. They don't recognize the reality of God. And so their morals and their understanding and their purpose and their identity all will always be off. They're on the wrong trailhead. They can't get to the right place. And we don't mock them for that. We pity them and we try to help them. No one wants to go to their own destruction. The fool just doesn't know that's the path they're on. 
Fools act as though they're God. They think that they can make up their own mind, their own morals, and everything that, that they want to do. They think the world should operate according to what they think is best. And what happens? Destruction, chaos, pain. They dishonor God. They fail to recognize His goodness and His authority. And we see the results of that all around us. Romans chapter 1 actually speaks of this. It says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened, and although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. It's a great passage, actually, if you want to read it in context. So fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right? They, they recognize that God exists, but they also despise, despise wisdom. They don't want to follow God. They hate God's wisdom. Despise means to utterly loathe. And so they despise God's existence, His authority, His law. But they also despise discipline. And what is the follower of Jesus? A disciple. Someone who allows God to bring them up to what they need to be. A fool says, I don't want God to change my life at all. I want God to conform to what I want. I want life to conform to around me instead of me to conform to something higher. And instruction? Well, instruction means that they're not willing to follow any type of, of, of input. They want to live how they want to live. In fact, it's, like it's the truest thing about fools. Fools want to live how they want to live, where the wise want to live how God wants us to live. Foolishness, 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 that's a hard thing to say. Foolishness leads to pain. That's where it ends, in destruction, in trouble. That's the peak that it goes to, actually a dark valley of the soul. But wisdom, wisdom is the path to joy and to peace and to success and better life. And so we see in this passage, as we kind of bring this to a close, that there are two paths and there's two destinations. In our life, we're either going to go towards life, we're going to go to death, we're going to go to uh, being glorified or being destroyed. We're going to go uh, to great things or destruction. And so wisdom starts with this fear, this humility of trusting that God exists, where pride Centering our lives around ourselves will always lead to our own things. Next thing we're going to discover, talk about some of the traits of the wise. What does a wise person do? How do they act? But today, I think we want to say that, which path are you on? A real thing. Are, are you the type that fears God in your own heart? As you look at it, are, are you one who says, I'm going to acknowledge that God exists? Right? And it's not just like, I'm only on this path. I mean, there's some of us that are kind of on the path, and some of us are really on there. You are the type of person that says to God, I will allow you to discipline me, to change me from the inside out and to instruct me so I can walk and live in a better way. Or are you the one who says, you know what? I want to live life like I want to live life. And I want God to fit into my comfort little bubble. And as long as God makes me comfortable, then I'm happy. But I don't want to be disciplined. I don't want life to be, you know, big changes around me. And I certainly don't want to be instructed. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own way. I'll tell you, if you're on the foolish path, don't, it's not about to shame. It's to say, there's a better way. And that's what we'll be talking about next week. Is what is the path of the wise? What does he look like? Now, as the worship team comes up and we bring this portion to a close, there's always next steps, right? Every path requires steps. If you've been on a trail, you know this. You can't just go to the trailhead and stand there because then you didn't do anything. 
So even if you're on the path of wisdom, we want to help you take those next steps in wisdom. And Zach's going to share a couple of those. If you have your connection card on the back of your connection card, there's some next steps. Online, you'll see those too. There's a link to those as well. But these are things that we would like you to do as you uh, begin to take some next steps on this path of wisdom. But as you prepare your heart to know what we ought to be doing this next step this week, let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that you are holy, that you are good, that you are sovereign, and that you are loving. We thank you that you are present in our life, that you've gifted us with the light of the word, as well as the power of your Holy Spirit, to be able to walk and to change who we are in this life, to conform more and more into the identity which you have given us and call us to in Christ Jesus. Well, I pray for each of us that your holy conviction fall in our hearts, that we would see, is there ways in our life that we are on the path of the fool? Lord, not to just make us feel guilty on that, but Lord, that you would reveal it so that way we can give it over to you, that we can correct the path that we are on. And Father, for the ways that we are on the path, of wisdom. Lord, we pray for your encouragement of that because it's definitely different than the way the world wants to operate. Father, I pray that as we walk this path of wisdom together as a congregation, as your children, that you would meet us on that path and grow us in our spirit as we follow after you. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of our leader and savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, If you would, take out that uh, green connection card. And uh, you can just flip to the back. There's a few things that you can commit to this week. First, um, just read Proverbs 16 through 22 as we continue on through Proverbs. Um, And uh, um, just a great section of Scripture, again, to read uh, in Proverbs. And then uh, memorize Proverbs uh, 1-7 that we've been memorizing the past few weeks. Um, Feel free to grab that memory verse card and put it where you know you're going to see it. Um, and uh, like I said earlier, just uh, make it a goal as um, we uh, get to the end of the series that that is worn and torn and that you've looked at that many times. Um, And then uh, thirdly, pray for discernment. Um, Pray that God would give you discernment, um, that he would uh, show you um, and teach you uh, what discernment is, especially in this time that we're in. And then fourthly, uh, choose humility over pride. Um, It's so easy to be prideful, right? And so to choose uh, humility, uh, it would overcome uh, our pride in our life. So uh, with that being said, uh, with our commitments uh, being checked off, uh, feel free, let's stand together.